gates open, off and Stiley Sensory stayed in the gate. There's Bo Rogue being set alight immediately by Cyril Small and racing to the lead. But Bo Rogue won't give up, he's still in front. Groucho's grabbing him now. Groucho coming at Bo Rogue, don't play, getting a rails run. Bo Rogue in front, he's got a heart as big as himself. He'll win, Bo Rogue! Bo Rogue has cracked it at last. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis. Mitovite has been producing high-quality feeds and supplements for all walks of equine life for almost 40 years. Mitovite has become a household name in racing and breeding circles with products like Athlete, Formula 3 and Breeder, time-tested products in the breeding barn and on the racetrack. 26 thoroughbred Group 1 winners this season have been on a Mitovite feeding regime. From humble beginnings on the New South Wales Central Coast, Mitovite has become a world leader in equine nutrition. Infrastructure investment in the production mill and close attention to nutritional science keeps Mitovite at a standard of excellence developed over four decades. Check the website, mitovite.com or follow the Mitovite Racing and Breeding Facebook page. The Mitovite brand has earned the respect of horse people all over the world. When Bob Thompson retired seven years ago, the Sydney training ranks lost a most accomplished horseman, the trainer of 29 Group 1 winners. Bob grew up in the Sydney suburb of Banksia and he came from a non-racing family. As a youngster, he would ride his bicycle all the way to Oatley where he'd discovered a small riding school with horses for hire. And this was the experience that sparked his desire to become a jockey. Bob completed most of his schooling at Cogra Maris Brothers, but actually sat for his intermediate certificate at Cogra Boys High. His father, Harry, was a member of a local club, either the St George Motorboat Club or the Fisherman's Club, Bob is not sure which one it was, and a fellow member was a man called Arthur Davies, later to become a great favourite with television viewers as Clarence the Clocker, whose Saturday morning racing program on Channel 9 ran for many, many years. Clarence was also one of Tommy Smith's official clockers at the Randwick track work sessions, and that's how his TV pseudonym originated. Harry told Arthur his son wanted to explore the possibility of becoming an apprentice jockey, and it was Clarence the Clocker who arranged Bob's initial interview with TJ Smith. Bobby Thompson is online to talk to me now. Bob, thanks for joining us. Do you remember that frightening first interview with the little general, as they called him? Well, I I have tried to, but I can't remember that now. I I can't remember it that well. But I do remember very early days, um, you know, working, walking into Tom's, Tullock Lodge at Dallas Street, Kensington, but mm. the actual interview with Tommy, I can't really remember, no. He probably no. passed it on. It'd be a very simple, small interview. Yeah, you look like you could make a jockey. Uh, see see the form and he'll fix you up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's what that. it'd be, yeah. Bob, you yeah. must have been pretty green when it came to riding thoroughbreds, but you would have had some very good tutors back in those days. Well, I had Tommy himself. He used to ride a little pony called Snowy, mm-hmm. and uh, he'd he'd uh, had, um, he'd go into the stalls and 
and put a clip lead on on something like Jazz Singer or uh, or some other a small quiet horse mm. and throw me on and then take me out the centre and trot me around the centre with him leading me and then we'd break into a canter mm. and uh, then he'd take me back inside. So I actually had Tommy himself tutored me. Mm. Now, Bob, it's it's been generally accepted over the years that he wasn't an apprentice's trainer, but he had more apprentices than people realised. There were quite a few when you were there. Oh, exactly. We had, in the stable, we had five or six riding apprentices and, and people don't realise he, he had a, he's had some good apprentices over the time. Frankie Lehman, uh, who was one, comes to mine, rode at uh, Apple Bay when it won the Doomland 10,000. Frank was only an apprentice. And he also had... Um, Peter Lation, uh, mm. who who I think trains in, uh, I'm not sure where he trains now, Peter Lation. Hong Kong, I or think. Whether he still does, Hong mm. Kong or Macau. But mm. Peter won a, a, a doomed in cup on, on Marceau, Mar- I think the horse's name was. Yes. Peter won a doomed in cup as an apprentice. Mm. So he did have some good apprentices. And even before I was there, there was a, an apprentice, they say, was a brilliant writer, a guy called Ronnie Foe was mm. another one, and uh, he had H. Williams. We called him Johnny Williams, H. Williams, mm. Robbie Tunstead, Jimmy Lyle. But, um, no, he, he he wasn't frightened to put an apprentice on. I mean, when they, you just said earlier in your interview, an apprentice rode Tullock. Mm. That's right. Now, he yeah. historians and researchers, Bob, when they're going through Tullock's record, they are quite puzzled to see that he was ridden one day at Rose Hill by a jockey called W. Dinham, D-I-N-H-A-M, and uh, it really gets them scratching their heads. But you remember W. Dinham. You tell me his nickname was Porky and nobody knew what his first name was. That's correct. Um, I, for the love of me, couldn't think what his first name was because everybody just knew him as Porky Dinham. Mm. Well, he rode and, uh, he, and his claim to fame was getting beat on Tullock by Diamond Vista. Correct. <laughs> and Diamond <laughs> Vista was 10 to 9 on in that race, so he must have been a pretty good horse himself. Yeah, yeah. Diamond Vista was a very smart horse. Now, Bob, tell yeah. me about a bloke called Ted Swinton. He was a race jockey. In fact, I think he rode the winner of the Victorian Oaks on one occasion, Nizam's Ring. But he stayed on riding work for Tommy Smith for years and years and years, and they tell me he was a very good judge. Yeah, yeah, Teddy was a good mentor for me and a lovely, lovely guy, just the loveliest person. And uh, we'd get there every morning and uh, was Tommy's number one track rider, and uh, he would more or less, George didn't like to get, uh, to the track too early of a morning. So Teddy more or less filled in for George. George Moore. George Moore. Mm. Um, and, and in that capacity is riding the good horses that George, that George was riding on the Saturday. And in turn, Teddy would pass that information on to George. And that's how mm. it worked in those days. Yeah. I mean, all good stables had great track riders. And, um, and Teddy Swinton, in, without question, Without question, was one of the best. Mm. Bob, I and, was. At uh, the... I think he then went to the work on the 
he'd leave the track and I think he worked on the walls with with um, my good mate Bill Devonport and yeah. those guys. Yeah. Bob, I, I was at yeah. the Port Macquarie Cup meeting round about 1994-95. I wasn't calling the races, but I was hosting the uh, the trackside coverage for Sky Channel. And I see a bloke hanging over the enclosure fence trying to uh, get my attention. And in between commitments, I wandered over and I said, uh, can I help you, mate? He said, yes, I'd like to say hello to you, John. He said, my name's Ted Swinton. Uh, oh, yeah. really? Yeah, Bobby, long retired. He was living at Port Macquarie. I never got to meet him back in the days when he was with Tommy Smith, but it was lovely mm. to catch up with him very briefly one day at the Port Macquarie Cup. And as you said, wow. a nice man. Yeah. Yeah, he was. He lived in, uh, I think he lived in West Botany Street, Ironcliffe. And, uh, but he was Tommy's number one track rider. And a great judge. Wow. wow. Yeah. Now, no, you... great writer. They, they were horsemen too in those days. Oh, they were they? Great. Yeah. Frankie Lehman and Jimmy Lyle, Johnny Williams, Robbie Tungsten. They were real horsemen. Mm. And and obviously a major part of Tommy Smith's success too in those days with such a big team of horses. Oh, all big stables had to have, you know, I mean, the jockeys came and ride track work also, but they had a good lot of... Um, Good track riders riding their horses, and mm. uh, you know we we only worked about six. We had sixty five in work mm. at Tommy's, and we'd he'd work them in about an hour and forty five minutes to sixty five to two hours because yeah. all the horses would be worked. Yeah, you know he he had he was a great organizer of people, mm. and uh, you know and a great eye for a horse. Now, Bob, you rode for your ticket at the long defunct Rosebury Racecourse. I think the horse you rode on the day was unraced, but boy, wasn't he destined to make a name for himself later. What was the name of the horse you got your ticket on? Yeah, the horse was Kill Sherry. Kill Sherry, who was owned by the Porters and Harveys, mm-hmm. and he ended up winning a Stradbroke handicap, and oh boy, he was a very good horse. In those days, you only had to have one ride to get your ticket, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a pretty handy horse to to ride Kill Sherry uh, at Rosebury Racecourse. Yeah, that was a day. It was a, he was a good horse. Kill Sherry went on to win it. I think he won a Stradbroke plus other good races too. Well, Bob, you came out of your time with 40 winners behind you. You outrode your claim, but all 40, and this is a real feather in your cap, all 40 were on Metropolitan Tracks. Yeah, that's correct. I didn't ride much at the Provincials. Uh, Tommy never ran horses at the Provincials other than their cup meetings. Mm. And uh, I never got to ride much at the Provincials. And not like the apprentices today. You mainly just rode for your your master in those days. and uh, mm. But nowadays, of course, they ride everywhere and every day of the week and for everybody. But, mm. but in those days, you, you, your allowance was kept... <laughs> To your master, just about. But uh, no, I had a, I had a, you know, I had a reasonably good career in as a rider, and um, well, I think my biggest claim to fame, I won a Lord Mayor's Cup on a horse called Beau Tarage, mm. who, who used to, I used to like, I, I was like leading on horses, yeah. and uh, especially staying races, 
and uh, he was a great front-running stayer, Bertrand. Hey, Bob, you learned pretty early that you had to handle disappointments in this business. You won five straight on a horse called Ketchup, so you expect to be honoured at his next run. Not the case. <laughs> on jumps George Moore. You must have been shattered. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you, 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 there's plenty of disappointments. There's more disappointments in racing than there is. There's more highs, more lows than there is highs in racing. And mm. that was certainly one when I'd won five races on that horse, five straight on him, I think I'd won, and got taken off in me six. But that mean to be play, replaced by George Moore was <laughs> just no mean feat. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> Bob, what was the best yeah. horse you rode in those riding days? Uh, was Kill oh, Sherry the best horse? I'll kill Sherry, but I didn't ride him in a race. No. But the best horse I won on, I won on a horse called Fair Patton at Ramwick, mm. 2,000 metre race. He'd won two Brisbane Cups. And um, uh, I think Vic Thompson used to train him. And we end up getting him. And I won a 2,000 metre race on him at Ramwick. Mm. Horse called Fair Pat, and one of, I'm looking at a photo actually of it now. Yeah, and I, he was just a magnificent horse, yeah, and a he, powerful horse, one of the hardest pulls I've ever ridden. Was he? Was he? Yeah, yeah. he Bobby, could really pull. He had a big white blaze, didn't he, or a baldy face? Yeah, yeah, he had. Uh, he had a baldy face and uh, four mm. white socks. Yeah, oh, he, he was, was a big bay. Yeah, he was a flashy. Looked a lot like my good mare Bianco Lady. Yes. Yeah, we'll get to her shortly. Bob, you spent 17 years at Tullock Lodge and you lived in a little flat directly above the office right on Barrel Street. And, uh, yeah, correct. I, I know this yeah. is a, a touchy subject, but it's part of the Bobby Thompson story and we've got to mention it. One day, Tommy Smith gave you some news about that little flat that you'd occupied for such a long time. Yeah, that's a correct. It was the foreman's residence. Well, I was in a yard foreman there. It was a two or three bedroom little apartment above um, the office at Bower Street. And he said to me, Bobby said, uh, we've got to start charging your rent on the, on the premises. And I said, oh, yeah. Mm. I said, well, nobody's paid it before me and I'm not going to start now. Mm. I said, all right, you can finish up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you knew where you stood with that bloke, didn't you? <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, su <laughs> I suppose down the track I was always going to start on my own, so mm. he just pushed the button a bit. <laughs> yeah, so you walked straight out the door. Oh, yeah, a week later I went out the door. He shook my hand, wished me the best of luck. said, you'll have no trouble training your horses, Bobby. He said, your owners are going to be your biggest problem. <laughs> and no truer word said. <laughs> well, Bob, here we are starting a brand-new career, uh, Bob Thompson Trainer. You rented a stable from a lady on the corner of Botany Street and Barker Street. Your part owned a horse called Regalay, which Gil Ings, I think, was training at the time, so you went and plucked him out of Gil's place. And luckily, the lady asked you to train a horse for her in exchange for the rent. Yeah, that's correct. It was just near the, the service station at the corner of um, Barker Street and Botany Street. And down that, and I had a horse called Regal A, and I'm pretty sure the horse the lady owned was a horse called Beau Chatain. I'm mm. pretty sure that was his name. I'm 
But yeah, and uh, I trained it for the rent on the stables, and I started with those two horses. And they were both slow horses, Bob, weren't they? Oh uh, yes, I'm not sure whether I won a race. Well, I didn't. I didn't. I might have. Might have won a provincial race with Wheeler. I'm, I'm not really sure. I don't really know. But I used to ride one and lead one down to the track from there. Mm. Ride one and lead one down to the track and work. And, but that was very early days when I only had two horses. Yep, yep. Well, a man yeah. called Len Mooney came into your life shortly after with a certain proposition. What did he say to you? Yeah, Len, Len Mooney and... Uh, just through, must have been when I actually moved up to um, the share the stables on uh, Roundwick, and he lived in Wandsley Road. Mm. And um, I'm not really sure how I got introduced to Lenny. I'm not really sure, but he, he asked me if I'd approach Ray Guy mm-hmm. to buy a horse that he was in called Tudor Charger. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I did, and he was a tutor charge was by Capricorno. Yeah, I don't think he'd been raced further than fifteen hundred meters, but but um, when I looked at his breeding, I thought, oh, this horse should stay. You know, he's by Capricorno, who's by Never Say Die, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so I approached him and and Ray sold the horse to me, and he was uh, and. Um, Jackie Thompson had an association with Lenny Mooney and their people in the horse, and uh, so and being up down the mile there, Jack would ride the horse track work and was a great, great help to me as a as starting off. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, he was a great help to me, Jack Thompson, and he'd ride the horse. And in between the two of us, and including Neville Boyd, we got the horse ready to win. Um, not his, not first up, of course. But no. we uh, we 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 uh, progressed to train him to get ready for the mile and a half winter stakes mm. in the uh, June of '76, mm. and he duly won the winter stakes mile and a half, and that was my first um, first uh, winner at Roundwick, first metropolitan winner with Jack Thompson charger. on board. And you know, Bob, by an amazing coincidence, Jack Thompson also rode Tommy Smith's first winner. Bragger. Yep. Yep, yeah, that's correct. Now, I mean, how, how, I mean, how freakish is that? You know, he he rode my first winner and and TJ's first winner. That's mm. incredible. Yeah, but what a great help Jack was to to yeah. young trainers. He he was that that we he, we devised a plan in that race. I can remember that very clearly. That race there was five runners in it. Mm. I had two. I mm. was called Henri Kerr, who Tommy used to train actually. Mm. Neville Boyd rode it. And the great Miracle Mal was on the odds-on favourite clear day. Was he? In that race, Malcolm. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and we, we said, <laughs> Malcolm was uh, leading on clear day and we set Henri Kerr to go head and head with clear day to worry the hell out of him. <laughs> and Tomo just sat back. <laughs> giggling. Sat back Making giggling. <laughs> I bring when Malcolm's over a serious putt to win golf. I bring that up every time, and he misses the putt every time. <laughs> does he remember the occasion, Bob? Oh yeah, he does. Well, he yeah. claims he doesn't. Claims mm. he doesn't, but he does. <laughs> yeah, of course he does. <laughs> Bob, you got hold of a pretty useful horse in the mid nineteen seventies, 
who appeared in race books and form guides as being by an unidentified sire from an unidentified mare. He raced under the name of Mondizo, and you won the first three starts you gave him. He went bang, 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 all at Randwick. Yeah, that was correct. Uh, I got the opportunity to go to a guy called Ted Hawcroft who had a stud farm called, I think it was called Biley Stud, mm. and uh, to, to choose three horses uh, to lease, to find leases for them. And uh, Mondiso was one of them, and in those days he wasn't actually registered. So to be registered to race, he had to be registered by un- unidentified sire, unidentified mare. But the actual horse was by uh, Ray- by Raimondo out of Paradiso, mm. and he was a very genuine, hundred percent little racehorse. Tried his little heart out. You know? mm. Yeah, he managed to win his first three starts in a race at round with Neville Boyd on him. Yeah, he ran in the slipper too, didn't he, Bob? Yeah, he ran in the slipper. The previous run before the slipper, he'd run second to, to Lusk and Star, and mm. then he ran in Lusk and Star's golden slipper, which everybody knows was yeah. sensational. And he was Absolutely still winning welters, wasn't he? Two or three years later, he was still winning welters for you. Yeah, yeah, he... He had about 23 or 24 starts for me and collected a check 23 times. Mm. And uh, he was a very good uh, midweek welter horse, uh, very handy. He had only a small horse, but mm. could carry weight and was 100% genuine. Yeah. Bob, you mentioned a mare earlier in our chat called Bianco Lady, great big daughter of Rangong. She had 47 starts. 11 wins, 9 placings. She won an anniversary handicap, a Canterbury Cup. She won the Chairman's Handicap. She ran fifth in the 1982 Melbourne Cup. What sort of a thrill was that? Oh, there's nothing, nothing better. It was unbelievable. I think the year was 82. Mm. And um, she, I got her, she's trained by Walt Cody at Warwick Farm, and I think he passed away. And um, but somehow or other, they asked me to train him. Mm. And it could have nearly been through Jack Thompson that I got that horse. I'm not really sure. Yeah, well, he rode for Wally Cody all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, and which I did. And she had 13 starts before she won a race. But, oh, boy, what a horse. What a horse. I'll never forget that later on down the track, I was playing golf in Melbourne with Gary Willett. Mm-hmm. And Gary said, hey, Bobby, he said, that mare you, you trained, Bianco Lady. He said, she was pretty tough. I said, they weren't any tougher. Yeah. He said, when she won the chairman's handicap, I was on uh, Noble Comment. He said, she come up to me. Mm. And he said, I give her three of the best cracks down the head with the whip you've mm. ever seen. And she kept going. <laughs> <laughs> and Did beat he? me. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then we hit him over there with a golf club. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, she was a tough old girl. She yeah, won the Sandown Cup after that Melbourne Cup. Then you won an open yep. race at Caulfield to keep it ticking over, and then she went to Perth. She ran second yep. in the Cox Stakes. She won the Perth Cup, but Neville Voigt wasn't on board that day, Bob. No, Neville got a month suspension in the Melbourne Cup. Mm-hmm. And if you watch the race closely, I know it was a great Melbourne Cup. Malcolm ran second on 
Kingston Town and Gurners Lane won with Mick Dittman. But if you watch that race closely, mm. the unlucky runner was Bianco Lady. Mm. And Neville, Neville had it. She was following. She was in and well, one off the fence. Mick was following her on Gurners Lane. And Neville had nowhere to go, about 300 out. So he dragged her over the heels of other horses to get her to the outside. And then she started to power home. Dittman stayed where he was and got the run right along the fence on Gurner's Lane and won the race. Yeah. Bianco Lady was powering over at the finish and ran fifth. But, uh, and Neville got a month's suspension. Anyhow, um, we got, Neville and I got the train back from the race course. I can't understand why before the last race, and he's sitting opposite me in the train, all of a sudden he... Tears started coming to his eyes. Yeah. I said, mate, what's, what's the matter? What's the matter? Yeah. Uh, he said, I crossed your Melbourne Cup. He said, she should have won. And he got a month suspension for his trouble. Uh-huh. So um, I forget who won the Sandown Cup on it. Must, it might have been Brent Thompson. Yeah, it was Brent. Not really sure. Yeah, and Brent rode yeah, her well, in Perth I, too. Yeah, he rode her in Perth. I knew that. Mm. And I was only uh, speaking to Brent. And I play golf with Brent sometimes now. Mm, and uh, he brings it up that uh, what a great win it was when she won the Perth Cup, and mm. which it was because Tommy had the favourite actually. He had the favourite in the race. I can't think of its name. Mm, I can't. And uh, well, she just blows them. She just blows them, and she won very easy, forty degree temperature and everything. Mm. And it was very hot, but yeah, uh, what a great man, great staying man. Well, her mother was a sister to Karaoke. Oh, what a great and horse I he was. Could stay. Yeah, karaoke yeah. by Felt Yet Out of Sing Again. Yeah. Was the pedigree. Well, her mother was either a sister or half sister to karaoke. Bob, you had a no, lot of time was... for a horse called Grey Receiver. He was a long striding grey horse by John's Hope. He was part yeah. owned by a great name in tennis at the time, Kim Warwick, who at one stage was ranked number 15 in the world. Grey Receiver yeah. won two Galaxies. He won a Newcastle, Newmarket. He won a Stradbroke or an Elders, as it was called that year. And didn't he run Correct. second in the Rothmans 100,000 at the same time? Yeah, Malcolm Johnson beat him on uh, Imposing. Oh, ah, yep. Yeah. Beat him a short half head on Imposing. But uh, Phil Dent was in the horse and the guy called Lester Durney. Who I tra- who I end up training other horses for all the angel horses. Lester, mm. I had a lot a lot of success with uh, with Lester Gurney and his family uh, later on after Grey Receiver. But yeah, yeah, Harry Clark trained him and he got he must have got suspended, I think, disqualified mm. or something. Harry Clark mm. and they asked me to train him. Boy, what a horse! What a horse! Yeah, I know you loved him. Oh, God, he was a good horse. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, he went two galaxies and, and, and elders, and he was just a man, and a lovely, big, strong horse. Well, though he's, the colours he used, mm-hmm. uh, my son uses them to this day, and the colours Shooter Charger uses, mm-hmm. which are the... Uh, Green, pale green, orange stars, green cap, dark green cap. Jamie uses as his second set of colours. Right. Yeah. Well, those yeah. pale green, orange stars, they've been your stable colours for many years. All of your good ones carried them. Yeah, yeah. For some reason or other, some of the good horses I had, the owners 
preferred to run in my colours, you know, mm. Fly Chance raced in them, Zinders uh, mm. uh, raced in them, uh, Shogun Lodge raced in them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bob, here's another yeah. name. Here's another name that'll get you going. Card Shark. He had 59 oh. starts, 14 wins, 13 placings. He won an O'Shea Stakes. He won an All Age Group 1. He won a Prime Minister's Cup Group 2. And he won the Villiers of 1987. Now, there's a little story here that I don't think we've ever told uh, on air before about that Villiers. He had his head in the adjoining stall when the starter said go, didn't he? Correct. That is correct. He, Darren Beardman was on him. He was my stable rider at the time. Cardshark was related to a really good horse. He was related. He was a half-brother to Avon Angel. Mm. And, and, uh, and Card, yeah, in that particular villa, he got missed a kick by about seven or eight lengths. Mm. And the starter told me later on down the track, he said, I picked up the phone to ring Shrek to tell him there was to clear him a non-starter and the damn phone wouldn't work. Mm. And, this, and Darren just bided his time, picked up the tag that was second last horse and rode him for luck and got a run right through along the fence and duly yeah. won the billiards. Yeah, it was... Sensational one. But he was a very good horse. Wasn't he? At one stage, he held a 1,000-metre record at Canterbury and a 2,400-metre record at the Gold Coast. There was one horse at the same time. That's incredible. Now, Bob, what about you talk about pleasant surprises in racing and the unpredictable factors that emerge every now and again. What about a horse called Regal Native on Epsom Day? Uh, I think it was 1988. He was first emergency in the Epsom and you thought you were 100 to 1 of getting a run. Yeah, that's correct. Darren Beedman was on him, and I think he'd drawn 20 alley or something like that. Mm. And there was a scratching in the morning of the Epson. He duly got a run, and, uh, of course, uh, the rest is history where he, Darren rode him, one of Darren's early first Group 1 winners, and mm. uh, was a little horse called Regal Native. And uh, he went on and won the races after that, but that was just... One out of the box when he won that Epsom. That was sensational coming from the wide alley. Bob, just hold on there, mate. We're going to take a little break on the podcast. We'll be back with you in just a moment. The Tab Highway races introduced in 2015 have been a runaway winner for racing New South Wales and country participants. Every bit as popular are the Midways, introduced as recently as July 2021 and already a primary focus of the smaller metropolitan and provincial stables. How fitting it was that the very first Midway winner, our Bellagio Miss, was trained by Greg Hickman, who'd been a very enthusiastic advocate of the concept. Even the inaugural Four Pillars run on October 30th last year was run under Midway conditions and won impressively by the Tracy Bartley train Kiss Sum. The Midways have been a natural progression from the highly popular highways, which have been a regular feature on Saturday Metropolitan programs for six years. The highways have created tremendous interest with country owners who are constantly on the lookout for the right horse. Bush trainers have something to aim for with progressive horses and the punters find the Tab Highways great betting mediums. The highways and the midways, 
now worth $100,000, are a major part of the new look of New South Wales racing. Now, Bob, one of the best mayors you had prior to slight chance was the chestnut mayor, Avon Angel. You've mentioned her name already. Very lightly raced, 19 starts. She won 10 of them. She won a surround stakes. She won the Group 1 Rosemount Wines with Peter Cook in the saddle. She ran a very good fourth in a Doncaster, beaten about uh, 1.8 lengths, Peter Cook on board, and she also won a Premier Stakes at Rose Hill, ridden by the late great Noel Barker. Uh, Bob, I remember that turn of foot she had. Wasn't she quick when she let down? Unbelievable. Unbelievable, Avon Angel. She had a cruising speed. Um, you know, she she might uh, you know run something, be running something just a tick under, a tick under a bit over eleven, mm. and could accelerate from that. Yeah, she was so good, so fast. She actually won ten and a half races. She dead heated her first start in a race. Oh, did she? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She dead heated for first, uh, but by gee, she had great cruising speed and could accelerate away from cruising speed. And not many horses can do that. And she wasn't just a 1,000-metre horse. She won over 1,500 metres. Yeah, yeah. But uh, even uh, when she, she – I think she ran a place in a George Ryder. I'm not sure. He mm. to the moment won the race. Well, I'm not sure whether it was the George – I think it was the George Yes, Ryder. it was. And Heater Mick was yeah. on her. Yep. And I said to Mick, mate, this Billy's – mate, you haven't ridden a horse like this. I said, this is by cruising speed and can accelerate. Mm. He said, oh, yeah. So <laughs> Mick proceeded to try and hold her up, mm. got into all sorts of trouble and flashed. Did she run second? Yeah, I think so. I think she, I think she ran second to heat at the moment. Mm. I think that was it. And uh, Mick trying to hold her up probably cost her the race, in my opinion. But, but you, you know, she... She would fool jumps with the cruising speed and then be able to accelerate away from it. She was she was very smart, now, very Bob, smart. Why does she have only nineteen starts? Well, I can't really remember that. I can't really remember why she only had that. So it was I nothing know, serious. She didn't break down. No, I don't think she did. I, I mm. down the track there. The the Lester Derny sold half of her to Dominic Byrne. Oh yeah. And then I think there might have been a big offer from Sir Tristan Antico towards the end mm. to go. And I think at one stage she might have been the highest priced race mare to go to stud or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. Can but, I? Um, yeah, she didn't race a lot. But no. she, won, she was pretty smart. Well, Bobby, let me talk now about one of my all-time favourites. I used to love calling him in his races, and he was certainly one of your all-time favourites, Dane Wynn. By the great Dane Hill, he won 13 from 31, well over $2 million in prize money. He won five times at Group 1 level. He won the Spring Champion, the Rose Hill Guineas, the Doomben Cup, the Caulfield Stakes and the McKinnon Stakes. Now, Bob, there was a... Uh, an interesting sidelight to all of this uh, during Dane Wynn's racing career. One of his owners, the managing part owner, Sonny Yam, lived in Hong Kong. And he had a very good friend there, uh, a jockey by the name of Jackie Shea. 
and every now and again Sonny would insist that Jackie Shea come to Sydney to ride Danewind. Put you That's in an correct. awkward Every spot. now and again, ten times. He <laughs> rode him in ten Group 1 races. Did he really? <laughs> yeah. Ten, ten Group 1s he rode him in. He ran second yeah. in two derbies, didn't he? The Australian yeah. derby and the Victoria derby. Correct, with Jackie on him. Yeah. yeah. Second in the Queen and, Elizabeth Stakes. Yeah. And I think second in an Epsom. Second in an Epsom from 21 Alley. Mm. And... And he ran fourth or fifth in a Cox Plate as a three-year-old and was four and five wide the whole journey. Mm. Now, he was, Jesus, what a horse. Wasn't he a great He horse. was the first horse in Australia to break two minutes for 2,000 metres. At the Rose Hill Guinness. Octagonal done it the next year. Mm. But, um, by God, he was, he was a good horse. Mm. He, he was probably the best horse I trained. That was my next question. Uh, yeah, no, he'd probably, he'd, not, not my favourite horse, but probably the best horse I've played. Mm. He had that but great his record, big... his record should have been a lot better. He well, should have won two derbies in a cock play. Yeah. Uh, Bob, just going back over those races, it wasn't so much a tactical failing on Jackie's part. I mean, tactically, he rode him okay most of the time, but you always felt he just simply didn't have the strength of Shane Dye. Oh, well, and you know, in fairness to Jackie, <laughs> he wasn't—he wasn't a Shane Dye or a Darren Beatman. It's as simple as that. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, over there they didn't get the experience to ride in staying races, like 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 he was running in. That horse was running in staying races, and mm. and Jackie was a very lightweight, and he and him being a a colt horse and a stallion or mm. colt at the time, mm. he needed someone to pick him up and hit him, you know. Mm. And um, he'd he, he done a reasonably good job on him, but in fairness to the horse, he probably should have won two derbies and a, and a cox plate. And that's my opinion anyhow. Mm. And, Bob, and if he'd have done that, well... My gosh, what a record he would have. What a record. He won five Group 1s as it is. Damien Oliver rode him in a couple of those, didn't he, in Melbourne? Uh, Damien, uh, in the finish, you know, in the finish, I think uh, I think John Shrek might have stepped in and Jackie rode a filly called a D-win in the flight stakes at Rowley. Mm. And he led by about 20 lengths. Yeah. And I think uh, John Shrek might have stepped in and said to Sonny... Uh, Mate, I think you better leave your jockey at home. <laughs> that how it happened. <laughs> I think it was. Hey, Bob, but, uh, <laughs> Dane Wynn's been a quiet achiever at the stud, hasn't he? Yeah, he's, he's still alive. They sent me a video of him the other day. I think he turned 28, mm. and we've been up and seen him a couple, a couple of times. But well, what a wonderful horse. What a wonderful horse. Mm. You could lead him around the stables with a head collar on him. He was that quiet. Yeah. And, uh, but, he, yeah, he was very shy in the breeding barn. Um, you know, he would only get – he wouldn't even get 50% in foal some mm. years. So he retired. But what he had on the ground, he'd done a great job. Damien. And I think Jamie's got one of the last of them. He's got a filly called Praise Song, who Sonny owns, actually. Mm. And um, and he's won a couple of races with him, and uh, she's back in work now. Mm. But um, 
Yeah, he he has he did do a good job, Damien, for what he got on the ground. Yep. I think Max Chris Chris Lee's trained a Sydney Cup winner by Damien. Yeah. Oh, and he yeah, had a that... very good horse in Hong Kong by Damien. And Bob, and some of his mares are doing a good job. Yes, yes. I always like to see some of the Damien blood through some of the brood mares, lines that uh, Jamie buys yearlings out of. Mm. Now, Bob, about three years ago, I went to visit the very famous Hobartville Stud at Richmond, uh, purely and simply for the historical uh, background. I was very interested in that lovely old Georgian home that stands on the mm. property, so we had a good look through the house and uh, just walked about the place and tried to imagine the way it must have been way back in the 19th century. And just as I was leaving... I saw a few mares in a paddock not far from the house and one of them was a black mare with a very conspicuous white blaze. And the lady that had been showing us around the house said, see that mare there with the white blaze? You might remember her. I said, oh, yeah, what is it? She said, slight chance. (laughs) So I couldn't help myself. I had to walk over and give her a pat and have a little talk with her. Bob, she yeah. was, what a great filly and a wonderful race mare. She won 12 from 43, 1.8 million. She won a Sires in Queensland. She won a Castle Main in Queensland. She won the Flight Stakes at Randwick, third in a Cox Plate. But the best story of all is her win in the Victorian Oaks when she led. And I think everybody got a shock, but Shane couldn't do anything about it. It was a freaky thing, that win. Yeah, well, I'll tell you the story about that win. <clears throat> they start the 2500 at Flemington right in front of the trainer's stand. Mm-hmm. She drew the outside alley 13 of 13 in those pale green colours, jet black horse, white face, white bridle. She looked fantastic. She mm-hmm. jumped out the gate and stumbled. Chain went up round her ears. Oh, yeah. And he balanced himself and balanced her. Then Julie went around the field and led and led all the way and won the VRCH. That was probably one of my greatest thrills in racing was winning a Cox Plate because I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I love the the classic races, the Oaks yep. and the Derbies. Yep. They're my favourite races. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was able to win a couple of Oaks, but I wasn't able to win any Derbies. I went mm-hmm. for second four times in Derbies. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, she came back to scale and it was so exciting. Mm. Anyhow, as Shane was unsaddling her, I looked under her back legs and she's just blood splattered all up inside her back legs. And I said, Shane, shit, she must have hit a, <laughs> an artery or something, you know. You yeah. know? Anyhow, I looked at her near front and she's standing in a pool of blood. Yeah. And I picked up the near front, the complete, the heel had gone, completely gone. She'd mm. taken a... The heel bulb completely off. Oh my God! Which when she stumbled out of the yeah. gate at the start, mm. and by the time the presentation was on and she was cooling down, she could hardly walk out of the enclosure. Mm. So, yeah. Well, that tells you, you the whole the, story. What a heart! Yeah. 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 She was the only one of the only three-year-olds at the end of her three-year-old career. Till one six group ones, mm. slight chance, and uh, she was 
uh, real racehorse. Yep. She won the Ansett at Rose Hill at Group 1. Uh, she ran second in the AJC Oaks to Mahaya, and then she yep. won the Queensland Oaks, and in her very last preparation, Bob, she won the Hill Stakes, and then she put in an ordinary one in the Epsom, and I think yep. you recommended her retirement straight away. Straight away. Yep. Yep. You just knew and she, she'd had yeah, enough. She, uh, yeah, she'd had enough. She went to New Zealand to go to Sir Tristan. She wouldn't get involved with him. Mm. She came back to Australia, and would you believe it, she got involved to England. Mm. <laughs> and the result was on what's called Salgado. Yeah. And I really appreciate uh, Hobartville start. They ended up buying her, uh, the way they've looked after her, because she's still alive, mm. and uh, they love her. Well... I gave her a pat for you too on the day. <laughs> yeah. Now, Bob, let me touch on another great horse you trained. Shogun Lodge. 58 starts, 13, 12 and 8 were his statistics, 4.6 million in prize money. Yeah. He won three Group 1s, the Queen Elizabeth, the Epsom and the George Main. But Bob... He ran second in another 12 Group 1s. You can't get your head around it. No, no, no. It's hard to fathom. He only ran second 12 times in his life, mm. all at Group 1 level. Unheard of. Incredible. It is. Unheard of. Incredible. And uh, he ran second in two derbies. The only tw two times I ran him over 2,400, he ran second in two derbies. Mm. I mean, geez, what a horse. What a horse. He was a wonderful horse. Try. Your stables at Randwick had been called Midstream Lodge, hadn't they, for many, many years, but not surprisingly you changed it to Shogun Lodge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our property here at Arcadia is called Shogun Lodge. Oh, good and on you. we have a, mon a monument to him. You do? Yep. Oh. Our little plant in a rose garden. Good on you. Uh, Show, huh? I'll yeah. come and see it one day, Bob. Mm. I'll have to wait till you invite me, though. We <laughs> <laughs> are just around the corner. <laughs> yeah. Now, Bob, what a sad day it was when he collapsed and died during the running of the Emirates Stakes at Flemington on the last day of the Melbourne Cup Carnival. I think it was some sort of internal hemorrhage, wasn't it? Yeah. Just burst his heart, that's all. Yeah. But trying... He had plenty of that. Bob, let me just rip through a few other handy ones. What about Silk Ali? He seemed to go on and on and on. He won 11 races, including a Sandown Cup at Group 2. I think he won a Kunji handicap too. He was very useful and a free-going sort of a... He was the beau tourage of his era. Yeah. He was an underrated horse, uh, Silk Ali. Well, mm. gee, tried hard and... I think we took him to Hong Kong once. Mm. And he ran fourth, I think, in a Caulfield Cup. Yeah. I think he ran a place in a Brisbane Cup. Mm. But uh, Gussie is a lovely horse, lovely horse, lovely person, only to mm. I called uh, Robert, uh, I can't even think of his last name. Yeah. Who, the owner? Yeah, Robert Hastings. Yeah. He owned him, yeah. And, uh, he, he was an under... Uh, underrated, underrated horse, that horse. Um, he, you know, on today's standard, no telling what he would have done. He was a very good race. He won his first start in a race mm -hmm. at um, Gosford, 
and he was last at the town at Gosford in a field of about 16 and bloused them. Yeah. Yeah, Silk Island. Gosford was a good little racehorse. I tell you, there's a horse that I thought was very, very handy and was underrated, a horse called Jim Carew. Yep. He won uh, the, the last of the Canterbury Guineas. Mm-hmm. The last of the Canterbury Guineas. He won the last Canterbury Guineas held at Canterbury, mm-hmm. of course. Yeah. Um, he was an underrated horse, too. He was a handy horse. Yeah. Jim Carew. And, Bob, one of your latter yeah. Group 1 winners was Thorn Park, uh, who won a Stradbroke, and he's gone on to do pretty good things at Stud. Done amazing things at Stud. He, he had... He had acceleration equal to Shogun Lodge. I wouldn't say better, but he was equal to Shogun Lodge. Shogun Lodge had the best acceleration of any horse I trained. Mm. But uh, Thorn Park wasn't far behind him, uh, and he actually duly won the Stradbroke and um, won the QTC Cup. I think he ran third in the 10,000 that same year, his last three starts. Mm. Done a great job at Studbury, and he died several years ago. Actually, the mm-hmm. horse, we, Park. But he had. But prior to that, he produced uh, some. I think a Cox Plate. I think. Mm. Yeah, he was. He was a very handy horse, Dawn Park. We mentioned a earlier, magnificent horse too. Pardon? We mentioned earlier that Tommy Smith had more apprentices than most people realise. You had a few yourself, mm. uh, Aaron Kennedy. Shane Pawsey, who's still riding, Robbie yeah. Brewer, still riding, Craig yeah. Bornstein, Jamie Whitney was another one to come through your camp. Yes, uh, yeah, I, I did have some good apprentices um, connected to the stable. And I, I think Andrew Payne was with me for a little while too. Yes. Andrew Payne, uh, mm. he's a wonderful guy, great horseman. But, uh, yeah, no, I did have some apprentices, good apprentices with me. Especially Robbie. Robbie's a complete horseman. Very good horseman, Robbie Brewer. You'd still see a bit of Robbie uh, when you go to Hawkesbury. Oh, uh, I see him a lot. Yeah, yeah. I do. I, and think... I go, to, go and clock Jamie's horses, and yeah. he jumps on the odd one for Jamie now and again, which mm. is good. Bobby must be yeah. quite a horseman. I know a lot of those trainers at Hawkesbury uh, clamour for his services on occasions. He is a complete horseman, a very good. Got great hands, great judge of pace. Well, anybody connected to my stable were good judges of pace. Mm. Was, uh, my best mate, Bill Devonport, used to make sure of that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> he'd clock them every morning and he'd let them know whether they were too fast or too slow. And that is the only way to be a judge of pace when somebody's telling you you're mm. going too fast or too slow. Mm. <laughs> and Bill made sure he told them. <laughs> Bob, you mentioned Bill Devonport. He was with you for a long, long time. He's probably the best performer you ever had in the stable. He sure was. Sure was. Bill, Bill kept records of uh, the track work I gave horses, what work I gave horses leading up to major races. You could go back. He had a, a, a stack of uh, little full scrap books, mm. <laughs> two foot high. Yeah. And you could go back and see what slight chance done leading up to the Anset or Shogun mm. done leading up to the George Main or whatever. Mm. This is a good reference. Yeah. Book, but yeah. no, he was a good friend, Bill. Good friend. Still is. Now, Bob, you had a great association with jockeys like Shane Dye, Grant Cooksley, Johnny Marshall, Darren Beedman, Peter Cook, Road Avon Angel, and others. 
But Shane Dye was the one that uh, with whom you probably enjoyed the most Group 1 success. What a worker. Uh, I mean, Shane Dye's work ethic was indisputable. It, it, there have been a lot of lazy jockeys over the years when it comes to track work. Shane Dye wasn't one of them. I think he loved track work. He did. He actually loved going to the track. Uh, and, and in the morning's work, Shane, Shane would ride anywhere between 10 and 14 horses' work of a morning. He'd get there early and ride Tommy's horses, and then as Tommy get towards the finish of his, I'd save my gallops, and Shane would walk then over to me and do whatever I asked him to do on, on the good horses that I trained at the time. And mm. So we had a good association with Shane, and he's a great judge. And that's why he was such a good judge, because he come and rode the horses. He knew, he knew how they were going before he got on and raced them. But now his work, his work ethic was unbelievable yep. from a leading jockey. He'd done all his own bookings of race rides and everything. So mm-hmm. now he was a complete professional shade. And uh, probably the best group one rider associated with me uh, I would have to say Glenn, Glenn Bosham down also, you know, mm. weren't far behind him. But Shane, just the best group one rider to ride for me. Seven years ago, you were embroiled in an unpleasant situation with the Australian Turf Club when you were advised that you were being relocated from the stables you'd occupied for 35 years. And, Bob, I know tensions ran high for a while, and it's a pity it had to get to that. Yeah, that's correct. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was all done the wrong way. I mean, I deserved, after 35 years in the one stable and 55 years in the industry, I deserved a little bit more credibility than what was handed to me under those conditions. And if that had sat me down and asked me what, 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 with the future light for Bobby Thompson, I would have told him straight out what I was intending to do because I was always, always going to retire. I was never going to keep going. Never in my wildest dreams would I have kept going. I was always going to retire, and I could have told him straight out, and amicably something could have been worked out, but uh, I can get a bit hot-headed at times, and... When they sat me down in front of these three people, <laughs> the three people they sat me down in front of, my dad, yeah. uh, and they told me that they were going to relocate me, well, <laughs> that's just like, like lighting the fuse to a bomb. Yeah. And I just went off, and they told them in no uncertain terms what I thought and what I was, my intentions were, and that was it. Yeah. And so I finished. Bob, if that meeting... But it could have been done a lot of bit, bit more diplomatic than what it was. Yeah. By the same token, yeah. if that meeting were held again tomorrow, would you do it differently? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Probably uh, I could have, um, uh, you know, I could have helped Jamie along the way, somewhere along the way, if I'd have stayed there. But, uh, but um, who knows? Now, you've got a passionate interest in another kind of horsepower. For many years, you've been a devotee of vintage cars. You've bought many, 
you've sold many, and you've travelled thousands of miles to rallies all over Australia. What do you got in the shed yeah. at the moment? Yeah, that's correct. I've always, I've always loved cars, and and I've had vintage cars going back oh, probably twenty years, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and what right now in the in the garage, I I only have three. Yeah, I normally have about five. Mm-hmm. I've got three. I've got a a nineteen sixty two Chrysler Valiant mm-hmm. uh, S series press button automatic. Uh, it's a little bit upgraded. It has Kragar um, wheels on it, wide wheels. It's got disc brakes. It's got air conditioning. Mm. And it's got a four-barreled Edelbrock carby on it. But it's a it's a Concorde car. And second in the rally, I took it to South Australia mm. to the National Rally for R&S Valiant. And it, ran, it got runner-up prize in the modified version. Mm. And, it, and I have a... A 2005 uh, SL350 Mercedes-Benz convertible, which I purchased about three months ago, I suppose, four mm-hmm. months ago. Um, and I love it. I love it. It's a beautiful car. It is mm-hmm. a really beautiful car. They're all automatic, of course, mm-hmm. uh, the hard top and everything. And uh, my and I have a Mercedes-Benz uh, C250, right. uh, which is my daily driver. But, uh, but I've had some very nice cars. I've always been involved in cars for a long, long time. I've had some great Mercedes. I've had uh, two Pagodas. I've had uh, Jaguar Mark II 3.8 63 Jag, which is a gorgeous car. I had a 67 HR Holden Premier with the X2 engine in it. But mm-hmm. I kept them for about three or four years and then decided to sell them and I'd get something else. I've had a couple of Triumph Stags. So, yeah, it's a bit of fun, and I'm a member of the car clubs, and I go to their outings and their rallies, and it's good fun. As I said earlier, I was always going to retire. I was never going to train racehorses. Forever. Forever. Never. 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 You're a pretty healthy and a very active 76-year-old, and it's hard to believe... 34 years have gone by since you had a pretty nasty heart attack. So you must have changed a few things in your life after that, Bob. I seem to recall your smoking back then. Yeah, that's correct. I used to smoke a lot. That was I was 42 years old. I was on my way to Canterbury Racecourse. Hmm. And... uh, I, I got a bit of a scare, and as soon as I got to the race course, I went straight to the uh, jockey's room where they got the medic there, and they ended up putting me straight into intensive care at uh, Concord Hospital, actually. Mm. And uh, and I didn't have to have any surgery or anything like that, but uh, I was warned that if I didn't change things, uh, mm. you know, I, I'd be on the short list. <laughs> so I gave up the cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Best thing you I ever gave did. up the cigars <laughs> yeah. and took up golf. <laughs> and you love it. You'd, that's another thing you're <laughs> yeah. pretty devoted to. Yeah, yeah, I love, love the golf, and uh, and I think that helped me. And I, I was I was full on in those days, but I mean, I, I worked very hard, and I was full on. I used to worry about a lot of things, mm. which trainers do. I might add. Yeah. And um, so I laid back and I took up the golf and it gave me a bit of a break away from 
the the uh, horses. daily mm. horses, yeah, for, for a while and, and take your frustrations out on the golf ball. Eh? <laughs> you and Kim live yeah. on acreage at Arcadia, a lovely spot yep. on the fringe of the Hills District, and I believe you've got a small herd on adjustment there. Well, they're not on adjustment because we own them. <laughs> but they're there's five, uh, five X-ray horses there mm. and a Shetland pony. Yeah. And the, the Shetland pony has the run of the whole property. But um, the five horses are horses that I – several – four of them are horses I trained. Um, and uh, Kim wouldn't let me sell them, so they're here. Getting, uh, I mean, if there's ever such thing – as an after after life, you come back as an animal mm. with Kim. Yeah, <laughs> owning you. <laughs> they get looked after. Yeah. very very special. Heaven on but earth. There's a horse, there's a horse called Bo Covered. who was a, a handy horse. Yeah, and another horse I own called Dostana. Won mm. a couple of distance races. Yeah, um, then the other couple. Oh, a friend of ours got a horse here that went second in a Victorian derby. And so that's three, and the other two were just also in. Yeah. But they're nice horses. You can't remember the name of the runner-up in the Victoria derby? Presidio or something like that. Presidio. 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 David David Payne trained it. Right. Presidio. Presidio or something like that. Yes, I know. Yeah, I think that's the one. Well, Bob... Do you ever think about those afternoons years ago when you would ride out of Tommy Smith's place for afternoon exercise on horses like Tullock and Gunsind? Well, I've got photos here to remind me. <laughs> I've got a little photo gallery of those particular two horses, actually. Yeah. Tullock, uh, got two rugs on him. It's the middle of winter. I've got big overcoat on, mm. and then I've got another one of Gunsen. I'm leading something off him, and the horse following me is Baguette. Mm. And it's a rainy morning, rainy afternoon, and I've got a raincoat on. So they're all there to remind me. But, um, but they, were, they were great days, mate. mate. They were great days working with Tommy Smith. You know, yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a great Great education for me, and it's a great background to have behind you, you know, 17 years there. Mm. But, uh, but no, they were great days. And, uh, that, that sort of, that, I don't think that's there anymore, you know, for what I experienced. You know, certain racing's changed so much. Maybe it's for the better, maybe it's not. But, mm. but, uh, but uh, you know, I had great days of racing, and, yeah, I have great memories. Well, you rode 40 Metropolitan winners as a jockey. You trained 29 Group 1 winners as a trainer. Bob, that's a pretty good effort for a little bloke from Banksia who had to ride his bike a million miles to get on a horse's back. Yeah, 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 that's correct. Yeah, I don't think he could do those sort of... I don't think he could have the success that I've had nowadays, mm. you know, because I didn't have big stables behind me, uh, big money behind me, and uh, just hard work, I suppose. Yep, and a fair bit of talent. 
A fair, a lot of luck. A fair smattering a lot, of talent. A lot, a lot of luck. Well, Bob, I've been very lucky to get you on the podcast for such an extended period of time. We've had a great old chat. I've enjoyed every minute of it, and thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure, John. Pleasure. The catalogue for the 2022 English Classic Yearling Sale is now available. A total of 810 yearlings have been finalised for the sale, 600 in Book 1, 150 in the Highway Session, all to be offered at Riverside between February 6 and 8. 700 of the entries are Bob's eligible and there are Vobus, West Speed and QTIS yearlings also on offer. There's an enormous range of proven stallions represented as well as first crop yearlings by exciting newcomers like Justify, The Autumn Sun and Trapeze Artist. The classic sale has seen unprecedented growth in recent years with 10 individual Group 1 winners since 2018. Eight of those have been purchased for $100,000 or less, while 14 graduates have won a million dollars or more in the same period. The classic sale gets the English show on the road for 2022 on February 6, 7 and 8 at Riverside. And the catalogue is out now.